Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. No, how, 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 how? Hello, my friends. I am a broken and beaten down Louise McSharry this week, uh, welcoming you to the podcast. This is Catch Up with Louise McSharry. And I, as I said, I'm a broken Louise McSharry. Um, as you, I think I mentioned on last week's podcast that I was headed off to Primavera in Barcelona um, over the weekend. And I went and I had an amazing time. And then I was like, wow, this is really hitting me hard. Um, I'm feeling so rough and so exhausted and just not right and I'm super hoarse and you know maybe it's just I'm old and I can't handle the sesh anymore but as it turns out I have COVID or the Prima variant which lots of people are calling it Um, loads of people seem to have gotten COVID at Primavera and it's very unfortunate and I'm feeling very sorry for myself um, because I am at home. My husband also has it and we're keeping our kids home because um, obviously they were we were initially testing negative when we got home. So we they have spent time with us. So it just felt like the right thing to do in case they develop symptoms and indeed develop COVID. So here I am in COVID hell once again. It's just... <laughs> so annoying like I only had it in March I had it literally the week that we announced this podcast I was in in Wexford and my parents house I'd managed to go and isolate there and because I had COVID and now here I am again and I only had my booster about a month ago because um I'm immunocompromised so I had had an additional dose and then because I got COVID and blah 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 just I wasn't valid or relevant valid I think valid is the right word, uh, ready for my booster anyway, um, until the end of May. So yeah, it's I, I'm feeling very unlucky and very sorry for myself. But the great thing about this podcast is that I don't need to be with people physically to do it, even though I like to. And um, so I managed to record everything this week remotely. So I hope you will excuse me, I hope you will um, forgive me for sounding a little bit hoarse and a little bit rough. Um, Gordon has literally taken the kids out just to drive around for a while so that I can have a little bit of quiet to record these bits. Um, so yeah, I, a lot of effort has gone into this week's pod, but I think it's a good one. Um, there's lots to discuss this week. Um, later on in the show, we will get into what went down with Liveline and RTE and Dublin Pride this week. I'm going to talk to Cassie Delaney about that, but don't worry, we'll also talk about Britney's wedding and all that kind of crack and we have got a great chat with PJ Kirby who you may know from I'm Grandma. if you don't listen to the I'm Grandma podcast you are missing out it is so gas and PJ and Kevin who presented are absolutely lovely and when I heard this week of something that PJ's doing I thought I need everyone to know about this but first we might as well get into the news as always with the delightful Aoife Moore. Aoife Moore, political correspondent for the Irish Examiner hello and welcome 
Good morning. How are you? I'm good. I think we we should we should probably confront the fact that you are going to have a new job soon, and I'll be introducing you under a new title because I got many concerned messages from people yesterday saying, <laughs> "But is she still is she still going to do the podcast?" <laughs> and you yeah, are. I got a lot of messages too. Yeah, yeah. so I am going to be from kind of August onward. I'm going to be the new political correspondent for the Sunday Times. Very which exciting. Which is very exciting. But yeah, I will still be doing the podcast in my pajamas in the mornings. Would never leave you. I mean, I would be de- truly devastated. When Eve and I were talking about this as friends, I was like, yeah, I mean, supportive friends, supportive friends, supportive friends. <laughs> and then like, but like, I mean, will you still be able to do the the podcast she was like yes I was like well phew okay great now I'm all guns blazing Back to supportive friends. <laughs> yeah um anyway we've got loads to talk about this week as always and um I think we should start with housing because it is the topic that keeps on giving we are still in a crisis or as Michael D Higgins says beyond a crisis um and it was a very unusual instance this week wasn't it when Michael D Higgins spoke mm-hmm. out on a what is I suppose a political issue yeah, so the president, Michael D. Higgins, was invited to open a new um, homeless, a centre for homeless people in Kildare, which I thought in general is a kind of odd thing to ask Michael D. Higgins to do. Mm. Um, I wasn't ultimately very surprised that he made these comments. Um, the president called the housing uh, emergency a great failure and disaster. Um, Zara King from Virgin Media had asked him, you know, had we created the Republic that we had that we had wanted um, mm. to create, and he said it's something very much closer to the per law system that we thought we were departing from. He said that um, there had been the government's great failure. It's not a crisis anymore; it's a disaster. And he said, "I think we really need to think about meeting the basic needs of people in a republic." Now, the president is allowed to say things like this. There is no constitutional law that says the president cannot say these things but there is a precedent that they usually don't so there is a separation of powers between the president the houses of the Arctis, and the courts mm. and the president obviously signs bills and the law he can query if something is constitutional he's kind of responsible for the constitution but they're not really supposed to get involved in day-to-day party politics so a lot of politicians, no, a lot of government politicians took great umbrage to the comments. They said that he had overstepped the mark, that it was embarrassing, that he was looking for attention. Well, yeah, it is embarrassing for them, isn't it? <laughs> well, they said, yeah, they said it was embarrassing by Gobi Higgins. I'd be mm. more embarrassed for them. Yeah, I'd, um, yeah, I can't. I'm, I'm looking really hard and trying to find someone in my in, near me who thinks that Michael D. Higgins should be embarrassed and I'm not seeing anyone. Yeah, so like um, constitutional law professors have been out this week saying, you know, the president is supposed to be politically independent. There is an appropriate line that you're not supposed to cross, but he's not going to get any trouble for this. And it also, I would also say, journalists this week could not get politicians on the record to criticize Michael D. Higgins. Michael D. Higgins is the most popular political leader in the country. Yeah, They are not going to put their head above water and criticize Michael D. Higgins. And I would venture, it's because he they know what he's saying is correct. Is right, yeah, exactly, exactly. Like, I mean, and I think he's, he was making a point, I was... <laughs> was quite proud of myself because he he made the point that like it's all well and good to be having like economic success on paper which we apparently mm-hmm. are and you know I've mm-hmm. seen politicians government politicians um you know tweet their happiness at our you know perceived international economic Tax success but like you know that means nothing and I and I wrote a column about this for the Irish Independent a few weeks ago actually that means nothing if people can't get homes or they can't afford to feed their families or they can't just live in the country and like I was I delighted to see him this, speak out I also made this point of course on, you did you're uh, so Virgin smart <laughs> on the tonight show and then got trolled but about it for about a week and a half listen um I think the point is completely moot when yesterday Leo Radger, the Tanish chat, was asked, did he agree with Michael D. Higgins? And he said, yes. He said, right. yeah, we have a crisis. Yes, there has been a failure. He said, you know, successive governments have, you know, created this problem and now we're going to try and do everything that we can to fix it. This is the weirdest thing about Ireland. You will often have government TDs and government ministers say things like rents are too high, childcare is too high, yeah. houses are too expensive. 
So they acknowledge the problem. I think they think it's some kind of like communication strategy of acknowledge the problem. Don't pretend there isn't one, but also pretend that you're like a commentator on national yeah. events and not actually someone with a power to change it. Yeah, it's wild. Anyway, um, I love to see it, to be honest. Um, now, uh, moving on. I actually got a message this week from someone saying, can you and Aoife talk about the Northern Ireland Protocol and the Good Friday Agreement and what is going on there? And I said, we absolutely can and we will because I think people are very confused, but it all kind of blew up this week, didn't it? Welcome to Aoife Murr's speciality wheelhouse. <laughs> okay, let's go. So the Northern Ireland Protocol, an international treaty to counteract the effects of Brexit on Northern Ireland was negotiated and signed by Boris Johnson's government. They decided in their great intelligence that they didn't like this international treaty anymore. And it is not because they decided one day this isn't good enough. It is because Boris Johnson is under severe pressure from his backbenchers who are hard Brexiteers. They do not want checks anywhere. They do not want checks in the Irish Sea. They do not want checks in the Irish border. However, Northern Ireland shares a border with an EU member state in the Republic of Ireland. So there has to be checks. Now, as part of the Good Friday Agreement, there cannot be a hard border on the island of Ireland. It would cross so much political instability. It would damage the Good Friday Agreement. We can't have it. Currently, what we have is checks elsewhere. Checks are done in Britain when goods are coming to Northern Ireland because there is a chance they could go further south in the Donegal yeah. or wherever else, and they would be checked. So there has to be checks. Now, the Northern Ireland Protocol was a series of agreements and amendments and legislation that would counteract any hard border, any issues like that. What they tabled during the week was, I don't know the right way to say it, they've overread, they read a horse and cart through the Northern Ireland Protocol and said, we don't want to do this anymore. This is the way we want to do it. You cannot do this. This is an international treaty. You have signed up for this in law that you, you cannot go back on your word now. They, the British government has proven to the entire world that they are not a good trading partner, mm. that they, they do not to pay attention to international treaties. The Taoiseach, uh, the Foreign Affairs Minister, Simon Coveney, wrote during the week, very forceful, saying this is incredibly bad faith. Mm. This is all about politics. It's a fundamental breach of trust. Um, British-Irish relations... Now, I would say there has been a lot of headlines this week that said British-Irish relations are the worst they've ever been. I know. I find that really insulting. Yeah, come um, on. As someone from Northern Ireland whose family suffered firsthand at the hands of the British government, saying that this is the worst British-Irish relations have ever been is incredibly That's insulting. That's nonsense, um, yeah. It's ridiculous. Yeah. So let's just bypass that. That's not true, but it's not, they're not where they're supposed to be. Yeah. Also, Stormont isn't sitting because the DUP also hates the Northern Ireland Protocol. They don't want checks either. They don't want to be removed from Britain. The, Bor the Boris Johnson government have said, because they're so worried about Stormont, you can't see me rolling my eyes, but I am. <laughs> because they're so worried about Stormont, they have to do this because they want Stormont back up and running. The other Northern Ireland parties support the protocol. So this is very anti-democratic as well. There are 52 MLAs of the 90 MLAs in Stormont wrote to Boris Johnson asking him not to do this. Mm. But they say he is only interested in placating the DUP because if it comes to it and he needs a majority and he needs support in Westminster, they always rely on people like the DUP. It's incredibly cynical. Every single business group in Northern Ireland, manufacturing in Northern Ireland, all these business groups say that people's order books have doubled. The protocol has been great for Northern Ireland businesses because of their access to the single market. And now that's going to be taken away yeah. all because Boris Johnson is on the back foot because they kept having parties. Liz Truss, the foreign secretary, wants to replace Boris Johnson. The DUP have lost voters in Northern Ireland and are trying to shore up their base. And the people who are going to suffer are the people in Northern Ireland who are already the most poverty stricken part of the UK. Well, there you have it, friends. Um, that is a summation from Aoife Grace Moore. <laughs> um, I just thought it was, I saw a headline during the week that was very telling. Uh, Taoiseach says, UK government don't fully get the Good Friday Agreement. And that kind of... Do you know how many pages the Good Friday Agreement does, Louise? How many? 18. I've actually heard that before because it comes up time and time again, doesn't it? Where It, it, would, you know, take you, it would take you a, a swift 15 minutes if you were really reading it. 
It's wild. Well, we're actually going to stay with the UK because their antics uh, do not end with the Northern Ireland Protocol this week. In fact, there was a huge story about the UK, <clears throat> excuse me, sending flights of people back to Rwanda. So what what exactly is happening no, oh, here? Oh, 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 it's not back to Rwanda. Oh, sorry. They are sending... No, no, no. These people aren't from Rwanda. What? This is why we have yes. to do this slot. Guys, I was at okay. Mavera. I have COVID. I have not <laughs> been plugged in. Okay. <laughs> Please forgive me. Yeah, this is why it's even worse. Yeah. Okay. G- give this it to is, us. This is the British Home Secretary, Priti Patel, is based, the Home Secretary. She has written new legislation that will send asylum seekers who come to Britain to Rwanda. That's people from Iraq, people from Afghanistan. Yes, it's just, just randomly. Yes. Why? Like, how is she even? How is she made? What? How is she, so wh- she? How is she selling this? Give me her sell. Not well. Let me tell you. <laughs> um, so, yeah, they signed a deal with the Rwandan government that they would send X amount of asylum seekers to Rwanda on flights because they didn't want them in Britain. Now, there is a myriad of problems with this. But I'm just going to give you the top lines of it. The yeah. European Court of Human Rights intervened two days ago and because they have oversight over domestic judicial decisions. Mm. And they said, you cannot do this. You know, they there was people pulled off flights. Um, there was an uh, urgent interim measure in regards to one Iraqi national. Um, he was pulled off a flight with half an hour to go. Um, and this is only one of what is going to be, I would say, hundreds of legal challenges against this law. So the UK is no longer part of the EU, but the European Court of Human Rights is not an EU uh, arm. It's the European Council. So they're still part of that. Yeah. And now, as if Britain couldn't go any further backward, they are talking about leaving European Court of Human Rights. Oh they said that nothing, the nothing is off the table um, when it comes to this. I would also say, and this is just a small side point, Pretty Patel and the British government have done a lot to um, refer to human rights solicitors as if it's an insult, as if it's some kind of slur. Now, um, she referred in Parliament the other day uh, to the usual suspects and human rights solicitors who are doing their job in Britain are now reporting death threats to the police. And I would say this is not something to be taken lightly because two weeks before Pat Finucane, the Belfast human rights solicitor, was shot in front of his children, he it was referred to in the House of Commons about human rights solicitors in Northern Ireland. This is not something that we should be taking lightly. These were people doing their job. Everyone, every asylum seeker has the right to fight for their asylum case and not be sent to Rwanda. Now, bear in mind, I've never been to Rwanda. I've actually heard it's great for a holiday, but their record on LGBT rights is not where it should be. And they are planning on sending gay refugees, LGBT refugees to Rwanda when they have just escaped places like Iraq and Afghanistan. It's just crazy. I mean, it's crazy. And I did read as well that like it's completely random selection apparently. So like it doesn't matter where you are Mm -hmm. in terms of your asylum case. So you could be just about to close it out and like, you know, maybe be getting, you know, your papers or whatever, you know, in the next number of weeks. And then you could be suddenly hightailed to Rwanda. It's like, Mm -hmm. it's so disgraceful. And the lengths at which people will go to be anti-immigration or anti, you know, asylum, which is just wild to me. Like you're talking about people who are coming from right. the depths of despair, forced right. to leave their homes. Yeah, but obviously we see they don't respect human rights, do they? No. You know, and and that's that's the thing. Wow, I'm appalled. That's even worse than I thought it was. Um, And that's saying something. I'm so glad I could bring you that news. I know, this is why I have to do this with you, Aoife, because I don't claim to be an expert in the news. That's why I have you. Um, <laughs> okay, uh, I did, I just, because everything's a little bit bleak this week, I wanted to finish on a positive note because there was something lovely that happened in Dublin this week. I love this. Again, woman. Huge fan. <laughs> so Olympian, Olympic boxer, Kayleigh Harrington, campaigner and overall legend, Alvis Musk, and cyber psychology expert, Professor Mary Aiken, have all received the freedom of Dublin. They, 
what a great bunch of lads. Honestly. They were given the award for their services to their community, to sports and to academia. Um, They all said it was a huge honour to receive the freedom of the city. And there's not actually that many women who have had it before. Yeah. And people like uh, JFK randomly once got it. Nelson Mandela got it. Um, So they were given it this week. um, And just really, really lovely. Yeah. So there's 83 people who have had it before. Dr. Tony Hulahan was the last one. Uh, Father Peter McVeary. All of you too. Of course. And Eamon de Valera. Yeah. Um, the privileges include that you can, you're exempt from some taxes brought through the city gates and you have permission to graze sheep on St. Stephen's Green. I mean, do you think anyone is taking <laughs> up those little bonuses? I mean, whatever about the sheep, do you think people are taking them up? I can see Elvis Smith with a couple of sheep. Yeah, like, absolutely. Um, if anyone doesn't know who Alice Smith is, she is a longtime activist and campaigner. Anyone who was involved in Repeal the Eighth mm. and Marriage Equality would know who she is. Um, she's so just she been fighting for women's rights services. for decades. Yeah decades yeah she she's just an all-round sounder incredible i'm such a huge fan of hers Me too. and indeed all three of them um it's great news and lovely to see women uh, get that kind of recognition um well Aoife i'm still reeling from the horror of Rwanda. that Rwanda situation um thank you so much this is why we need you thank because you. sometimes you just can't pay attention to everything over the course of a week you might have an absolute mad one like i'm having let, let, <laughs> let me take the huge personal toll <laughs> yes look i mean and thank you for that sorry about all the death threats and stuff that you receive along the way <laughs> i shouldn't be laughing at that that's actually truth she no, really does but you gotta laugh you gotta laugh yeah even more political correspondent at the irish examiner thank you so much thank you Now, as I said at the outset, PJ Kirby is the co-host of the absolutely gas on Grand Man podcast. Um, and PJ recently moved back to Ireland to live in Dublin after years of living in London. And when he came home, he was frightened and disturbed by the spate of recent attacks against the LGBTQIA plus community, as I think every member of that community and indeed every ally is. And he decided he wanted to do something about it. And when I heard what he was doing, I really wanted you to hear it too. Here's PJ. Let's start for anybody who isn't familiar with you and your work, which I would find shocking and appalling at this stage, PJ Kirby. <laughs> um, maybe you could do a little intro of yourself. Yeah, okay. So um, I'm PJ Kirby. I'm a Capricorn who loves long walks on the beach. No, I'm joking. Uh, <laughs> I, uh, I'm obviously a professional dancer who was living in London. And then me and my best friend, Kevin, started the iconic Iron Grandma podcast, which we've been doing now for years. Um, and I'm a full-time homosexual. Uh, and I've just currently moved back to Dublin, where I'm living in Kilmaine. I'm loving life. And what made you move back? Um, so I've been in a long-distance relationship with my boyfriend for six years. Oh, my God. Is, yeah, like which is like ridiculous. Like We met, we were both at a dance intensive, and it was very much I walked into the room Hats up moment. He's gorgeous, stunning, never been like iconic behavior. He was like doing a routine, like the lights were hitting him in the right way, fell in love. And then we were like together for six years, but we were always doing um, long distance. I was in London. He was in Ireland. Long story short, he's originally from the Philippines, has a Filipino passport, couldn't get a visa right. to work in London. I was in the middle of like, like on my grind like girl boss and gatekeeping in London <laughs> um and then um once I got to the stage then when we went into the pandemic where I was like kind of had a moment to be like what am I doing like literally like the person who I love the most like in my, the love of my life was like in Dublin like yeah. um, he can't come here I'm just going to go to him and yeah. I spent like two I spent two months here in in lockdown and I was like oh my god Dublin's actually stunning so I was like I'll just go, go over so when you so okay I've got several questions to ask on that basis um, and yeah. first of all Dublin is stunning tell me about that because I think a lot of people at the moment in Dublin are having a difficult relationship with Dublin mm-hmm. but it's you so obviously weird. liked it <laughs> yeah because it's weird because it's my first time ever living here so obviously I grew up in Cork from the accent like you can hear you would never know <laughs> yeah, I was there I was 20. Then I went to D- London for nine years. When I came back, it was my first time living in Dublin. So I saw it through like fresh eyes. Yeah. Um, and I got here 
And I remember I, it was a bit of an adjustment because I was like, I'm no longer uh, gay, gay living in London. Like, what's my identity? And I put up a TikTok being like, so I'm having a bit of identity crisis. Like, who even am I, you know? Yeah. And then I, everyone, loads of people were coming to me like, oh my God, welcome to Dublin. And then some people were commenting being like, welcome to depression more like. And yeah. everyone was kind of like, Dublin is shit. And then I was kind of like, I'm ups- I was obsessed with I'm literally walking around the gap they should call to Ireland should hire me because I'm literally like loving everything I was saying to explaining to people like for me it has all the good bits of London but it's smaller and people are more friendly so yeah. like it has all the the food scene is insane here it's amazing yeah the the, the pubs and clubs here are gorgeous mm. the queer scene is is like really nice it could be a bit bigger and there could be a few more nights but like there's that yeah um but then in general like i'm just like loving it you're so close to the sea mm-hmm. like i just i'm just mad about it now the only thing is it is ridiculously expensive yeah so like that's obviously the main thing yeah but um in in terms of like the actual like culture here i feel like there's loads going on like and i feel like just i'm seeing i'm seeing it with fresh eyes i'm kind of appreciating it more yeah. than people who grew up here it's so. nice to hear that actually um mm. because i think yeah i've been here for so long and you can start to feel just a bit bogged down because obviously the cost yeah. of living is such a huge problem and you mm. know by extension there's loads of other problems and it doesn't you know i think a lot of the time we all feel like it's just not being managed very well um that's yeah which is obviously, you know, difficult, but it is a beautiful city. And sometimes I think we need to be reminded of that. And I think it is so important that, you know, I think it's amazing that someone like you, who's such a talent and a creative and has so much going on, is coming back to the city because that enriches the city. You know, the more people we have here of different walks of life, ways of living, um, you know, careers, arts, like, you know, all their different talents and abilities it makes the city better um, and at the moment it does feel like everybody's leaving so it's it's lovely to have someone like yeah. you come back and um, so the reason I mean look I would talk to you all day about anything but the reason that I wanted to yeah. talk to you specifically this week for the pod is because you posted something on social media the other day that just really hit me because it, it was a, a really solid example of someone seeing a problem and trying to do something about it so maybe tell me a little bit about that yeah no problem um, I do feel just on the Dublin I feel like I, you know, in work when you have a new starter who comes in all gung ho and it's like it's fine we'll change things let's go and then everyone's like no you won't and then I slowly start to realise oh no it's like crippling so yeah. we're there but I'm still in this like new starter in yeah. the job mode so this is why this is kind of how this kind of came about as well mm. so I um, obviously we're hearing about like the really scary um, um, homophobic attacks are happening on more of a regular basis at yeah. the moment, not only in Dublin but all around Ireland. Mm. Um, and I just felt like, like as a community, we did we we feel felt like a bit helpless because like it's yeah. like what you, you can't stop someone. Well, you can you can put stuff in place and stuff, but in general, like we felt very like, oh my god, what's happening? Yeah, walking down the street, one, you what are you gonna do? Happening? Yeah. I was like nervous for like myself, but I was more nervous for like my friends and stuff, and like people in the community who aren't like. I'm always saying I'm so privileged. I'm obviously a cis white man, six foot four, but like a rugby player, like mm. walking down the street. I'm I'm more I'm like physically safer. For example, yeah. if someone tried to attack me, I could like physically fight someone yeah. more than like some of my friends um within the queer community. So I was like really worried about them, and I was like, just what can we do? So I started talking to GoFundMe. Mm. Um, I was chatting to them and that's the thing like when you, like obviously you work with you when you work in broadcasting and marketing and stuff you can you know one or two people in yeah there. so I was like talking to the GoFundMe team and I was like hey listen like they were like I was like do you want to do we want to do something they were like yeah well up first let's do something together mm. so then we started talking to different um LGBT charities um and we were just like chatting to see what they are doing within to combat the hate crimes that are happening or like are they put it like what work do they do within that space because obviously there's amazing mm. um queer charities all over Ireland but some of them focus more on like the youth some of them focus more on like advocacy ad- like advocacy within like um the trans community and, or, like yeah. and all that yeah yeah so but then we found LGBT Ireland which do amazing work um within the hate crime space so mm. like for example there campaigning to get effective legislation passed in Ireland to combat hate crime because there's basically none like it's mm-hmm. terrible it's so mm-hmm. bad and um, but then they also do things like they educate um the guards on how to properly record and like process a hate crime when it happens within the um queer community so for example like obviously if a non-binary person was attacked and then if a, like a guard from the sticks comes in and like 
keeps calling them the wrong pronoun like that would be even more triggering for them yeah so they're trying to like give them training within that space as well and mm. um, so I started them was in love with them I was like obsessed with she oh my god and then I, I really wanted to make sure I was like so let's do a fundraiser let's raise some money but I didn't want to be like let's raise some money like had us in the back I was like what's like a tangible thing we can work towards yeah. and it turns out they're looking to hire um, a key support worker who would like um, work within the, the like really necessary like uh, critical stuff that's happening within the hate crime space when it's happening so, yeah like, they deal with like urgent filing cases and stuff basically yeah so all that stuff that you just talked about LGBT yeah. Ireland recognize that there's a need for someone to be specifically working yeah. on that stuff um, mm-hmm. but obviously nobody has all the money in the world and especially organizations like that they never have yeah. enough money so you mm-hmm. said let's hire someone yeah, so, and then I feel like that was good because it gave us, like, a clear goal. I was yeah. like, this is, like, a tangible thing, like, that we can work towards mm. and everyone can get behind. So then they'll work on, like, the origin violent cases. They'll work on, like, homelessness and family support as well. Because there was also, and originally, there was, like, um, another role where it was going to be just someone and our whole job is to be, like, government, wake the fuck up. We need mm. to, like, get effective legislation in place. And that they're very much, like, working on like loads of drafting bills and all that stuff and it's going to take like that's a lot of work yeah. but they got funding for that so that was amazing and then they were like but there is this role that we, we really need that's really down in the weeds like helping yeah. people so we have this we have this goal of um they, they were like i was like what's like the, the what would be really helpful sum of money for you to like make this happen like make this roll and then they were like twenty thousand, and i was like let's go twenty thousand. we can do this so then we launched the fundraiser i think it was last thursday or friday so like a few days ago and we're a quarter of the way there already so a quarter Uh, because honestly i was like this podcast is going to come out and you'll have already met your funding goal (laughs) (laughs) because people are so generous but even if you have like even if that happens and which would obviously be amazing i think it's still worth kind of acknowledging that you know when you are maybe down in the doldrums and when you're feeling bleak about things you know there are ways that you can feel like you're making a difference Mm, and you know I think this is a such a good example of finding out like what is a specific thing that you as an organization helping this with this issue need Um, Mm. because you know we've all gotten really good at fundraising I think and the internet makes it a lot easier than it used to be and so I thought it would Mm. be great for people to hear this anyway Um, but how do you feel about the response so far? I think yeah, that what you're saying is amazing. I it, like the, I'm blown away by the response and how people just get behind. Because like what it's doing then, it's not obviously it's raising money for this amazing um role that we're trying to fill, right? And that's like the kind of like logical thing it's doing. But the, emotionally, it's also showing like Ireland is supporting the queer community and it's saying that there's a there's people here. Of course, there's obviously homophobic attacks happening. Yeah. But at at its core, there's a group of these lovely people who are willing to open their wallets to help support us and help and share my video and like help like be a community and it's just so nice to see that yeah and what I always say is like it's so nice for the like young queer kids to see that so yeah. like I'm, I'm like if you're like 16 years old and you're and you're um queer and then you're you see that your aunt is after sharing a fundraiser for yeah. a key support worker it's like so that's huge that speaks volumes you know it's like yeah a hundred percent and because I, I think like during the marriage equality referendum like that was a really a, a really positive and a really difficult time for queer people in mm. ireland because obviously you, you were confronted with the fact that there was so a, a level of negativity about yeah. you um, and then mm. fortunately the result indicated that there's there's a huge amount of support but that doesn't mean that the level of negativity has disappeared and you're right that message of support needs to continue hang on yeah. one second I'm, sorry no you're fine no <laughs> What, what do you need? What can I do for you? Yeah. Can I put something on the phone for you? Would that be better? Or maybe you go downstairs to dad and have your cup of tea is going to be ready and your chocolate. Oh my goodness. No. <laughs> what do you want? Sorry. No, you're fine. I've been like, when he said nephews, I'd be the same. But I, speak, you, I, I speak to them like adults, which is weird. It's good that you're talking. Like. <laughs> what, what is it that you need? I don't understand. You do want that beside you. Okay, one second. Okay, no stress. No. Whatever, whatever you want. Here. I know, honest to God. That's the rule for today. Just give oh, them whatever they want. <laughs> he just didn't want the bag beside him. That was all it was. Brilliant. Um, okay. But yeah. We that, love someone who knows what they want. This is it. Um, but yeah, we just, um, that, I think it is that thing of like, 
you know, people do need to be reminded that there's support and that and that we're not willing to accept that level of negativity, actually, yeah. that that's exactly. not welcome in the society that we live in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and, and but that it, it's I always think it's a balance as well, because like even now I'm like you see PM, like the government and people coming out being like Dublin. It just like broke out like Dublin's uh, LGBT plus free zone or whatever, which means like basically we don't accept homophobia here. Yeah, yeah that's all fair and good. You don't accept homo- homophobia here. So now let's start putting some like effective legislation in place. Yeah. that like underlines that as opposed to just going, this is a like PR move. And we're just going to say, no, we don't like homophobia. You know yeah, I mean? exactly. It's a balance, yeah. You know? Put your money where your mouth is. Yeah. Um, but people have been so lovely as well. And like, like restaurant, local restaurants, like Super Ramen are saying like every, for a pound, every time people come in, they're going to add a pound to people's meal. They're going to put that to the fundraiser. There's people doing like charity yoga classes. I'm going to do a charity dance class. I just mm-hmm. feel like it's so, lo- it feels like a nice community. Yeah, like, that is lovely. Can I ask before I let you go? So as like as a professional dancer, I mean, how do you do that in Ireland? There's not as much dancing here, obviously, as yeah. there's in London. And to be honest, I'm kind of I'm, I'm kind of stepping away from actually like working myself as a professional dancer. Like I don't really do as much. So mm. like I, I used to do like, music videos and like stuff like that it was more like commercial hip-hop dancing in like in london well okay you're obviously um, you have to tell me like what kind of like who it's not as glamorous as it as you think it is like like i like obviously like i'll I'll do the whole reel off the people but like then it, it was like it wasn't the best time of my life shooting like but it was like i done like amory's i done two amory's music videos yeah kevin harris it wasn't it the was best like, time of your life as in like it's like because you're the da- you're you're a dancer and they kind of treat you a bit like shit. not like shit, yeah. but like it's kind of like it's kind of like okay like the, bring the dancers on dance they don't really pay you that well like yeah. you can't really like live off it yeah um and you're like training your whole life like you do like I loved it and obviously it's been yeah. a good experience and I'm really grateful like but now that I'm not really you'd be also I, I'd be te- I would have been terrified to say this when I was like one yeah and stuff, and I'm like I don't give a shit <laughs> I'm like I don't care yeah but like, um. It kind of like dulled my love for dance a bit because I'd go to auditions where I've been training my whole life to get to this level and then like I do one move and they'd be like, No, you're too tall, like leave or like, yeah. like or you know what I mean? Yeah. And I'd be like, Okay and I kinda of dulled my love for it. So now I'm after reconnecting with my love for it and I do this like queer inclusive, like um any level dance class where we literally just like live our lives. It's called throwing shape. Yes, I am dying like, to go. Like I'm coming. You need to go. But honestly, because my favorite kind of exercise, I used to do this um hip hop cardio hip hop class in the YMCA mm. when I was like 20 with Jane Shortall and I loved it it's the only exercise I've ever enjoyed in my whole life except for Irish dancing mm-hmm. so I basically yeah. am a dancer is what I'm saying um, <laughs> yeah <laughs> but the thing is like my level of fitness now at this stage is I mean I'm like scared of how mortified I'm going to be but I'm going to no. do it anyway I'm going to do it anyway it's, it's so fun and like literally I, I'd be buzzing after because I feel like Everyone's like, obviously, people are saying they're loving it and stuff. But for me personally, as well, as I leave buzzing because it's like, oh, I'm connecting with why I started dancing, and that's like because I love it. You know what I mean? Well, I love it. We didn't really get to talk about I'm Grand Man, but um, it is a brilliant yeah. podcast. I would highly recommend to everyone, and I'll put Thank a link you. in in the bio. As you can hear. My son is going mad now, so I think I have to say goodbye. It's okay. But thank no you so much, PJ. You are such a superstar. Yes. And um, I can't wait to see you meet this fundraising goal. I know it's only a matter of time. Yay. We're going to do it. We're going to smash it. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host.
Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Today's entertainment and culture chats are a little bit more serious than they usually are, but don't worry, we do get to the silliness. We start by talking about what happened this week with Liveline and Ortiz and Dublin Pride, and then we go to the sublime and the ridiculous from Britney Spears' wedding <laughs> to the continuing conversation about Kim Kardashian and that Marilyn Monroe dress. Let's get into it. I'm delighted to be joined once again by Cassie Delaney of Tall Tales Productions. Tall Tales Podcast, Tall Tales Productions. Did I just make that up? Tall Tales Podcast, Tall Tales whatever. If you Google Tall Tales, you'll find <laughs> us and we will do whatever you ask us to for money. Sometimes words come out of my mouth. <laughs> Sometimes words come out of my mouth and I'm like, is am I did I is that am I, is this real life? Um okay. We've got a lot to talk about in the world of entertainment and culture this week and um the first story is quite a serious one and it is of what happened this week with regard to RT and Dublin Pride and I really wanted to s- have someone on the sh- on the show this week who is part of the LGBTQIA plus community mm-hmm. to talk about this because I think it's really important. Um, you know, unfortunately, it would have been even better if we had a trans, a regular trans contributor. Um, and that's something that actually I'll have to work on because I'd love to have that voice here. Um, but it, you know, from afar, it seemed like you know the shit really hit the fan on Liveline. <laughs> Yeah, so what happened, this happened over a couple of days. So it started with a conversation about um, a certain group of women being rejected from a conference. And then it it quickly became the issue was that they had a, they were contesting the word, the definition of the word woman and how that shouldn't be excluded from the Maternity Act. Yeah. So there was three programs over the course of a few days that all centered around gender, uh, definitions of gender. and. I listened to some of the programming. I listened to one episode entirely in full. And I have to say, I found it incredibly difficult to listen to. It was very offensive. There was a complete disregard for trans people, for members of the LGBT community. There was misgendering. There was a total lack of awareness and lack of understanding in the nuances and the differences between sex and gender. There was Mm -hmm. no attempt by... Uh, a lot of the callers to understand that distinction repeatedly callers from the LGBT community were correcting or alerting the participants of the conversation to the fact that their language was offensive or their language was not inclusive. And I think that some members spoke really, really well and articulated really well their positioning and how the removal of the word woman from the maternity act is not an exclusionary process, but it's an inclusion to include all types of parents. Mm. And it's, you know, it's something that needs to happen. It's something that I think, you know, the majority of people are in support of. But what we saw on Liveline was an ignorant group of people arguing it within these ridiculous hypothetical situations but also so, that first contributor like i listened to and that for and i also didn't enjoy it but that first contributor very quickly went from talking about the language in the maternity act which is one conversation that i can see like yes maybe mm-hmm. that is something that you could legitimately be t- be discussing and you could argue is is a matter of public debate 100 percent. but then she within minutes was talking about and I'm not even going to use the the terms that she used because I think they were offensive, but essentially she was suggesting that there would be lots of men who would be pretending to be trans in order to access opportunities in sport and, you know, special treatment yeah. in prison. And like, these are such old arguments that come from a conversation that's been led in the UK. And, and so just for me, the real purpose or, or her, what she was really about was kind of betrayed so quickly because it went from that maternity act conversation to all of a sudden the validity of people being trans, you know, within moments. And, you know, the reality is we have had 
self-identification for trans people in Ireland, which means that you can you can decide what gender you mm. are and have that officially recognized in your paperwork. We've yeah. had that for seven years and Lydia Foy fought for it for two decades. And, you know, this debate has already happened here and yeah. there is no purpose to it now. And I think I think the most offensive thing was it was actually quite triggering. It really brought me back to sitting in the back of taxis in 2014, 2015 and listening to people debate the rights that you should have as an LGBT person, which is incredibly traumatic, you know, Mm -hmm. to listen to someone share their opinion about whether you should be allowed to get married or whether you should be allowed to have kids and that somehow your sex and your your sexual preferences, your sexuality determines who you are as a person and influences the care and the love that you give someone else. And it's just it's so difficult to constantly be in this situation where we're hearing very ignorant arguments against a community and really ridiculous things being espoused and given the platform like they were on RTE, which is one of the biggest radio shows in the country. I just thought it was really offensive, really dangerous. And I think that, you know, We've seen we, we know that language hurts people. We know that words are important. I mean, the whole conversation started apparently because one word is incredibly important mm-hmm. and for them to continue having a conversation and for language and, and the rights that we've fought for to be completely disregarded was really, really upsetting. Um, and I'm just really disappointed in RTE for it. I think it showed a complete ignorance, lack of awareness. I think their statement and their apology, well, I think their statement was completely lacking in apology, just kind of saying that there should be space to discuss this. And I was like, you, you cannot have a discussion around gender and gender identity if you're not on the same level. And what we saw were people who had no interest in learning about gender theory, debating the rights of trans people. So if, if, if you know, cis, Pet people want to have that discussion and want to learn about it. I'm more than happy to have discussions about people around gender and gender theory and gender as a social construct, but they have to do the work behind the scenes because it's not our job as the LGBT community to educate people about stuff. There was a crazy statements made that like certain people just don't subscribe to gender theory and we don't, a lot of people don't, don't believe in gender theory. It's like the minute you're born, you're wrapped in a pink or a blue blanket, like gender theory is is bet into us from from the minute we exist. So it's ridiculous to say that we don't subscribe to gender as a as a concept. Um, so yeah, it was just really difficult. In a, a month, it's Pride Month, and this Pride Month, I think honestly, and speaking to a lot of my peers, has felt the heaviest in a really long time. Mm. We've seen an increase in violence against members of the LGBT community in Ireland on the streets physical unprompted violence for just existing Mm. there is a consistent fear there is an anxiety about you know disclosing that you're a member of the lgbt community in workplaces all that persists and then simple things like pj kirby is organizing a fundraiser to raise vital funds we actually just spoke to him on the podcast and this just just, amazing people will be familiar with that by the time we get to this part of the podcast i'm so glad but like to see that during Pride Month where you're walking through town and seeing the flags everywhere, seeing buildings wrapped in rainbows, seeing the icons of all these corporations, you know, rainbow washed on LinkedIn. And then to see that fundraiser that should have raised 20 grand within a day. It should have been a no brainer, everyone jumping in. And for me, it was really hurtful to go through that fundraiser and see that it's again my peers and members of the LGBT community that are putting in their fivers, tenors, 50 quids to try and get that fund up to a significant amount. And you have the big corporations, the ones who pretend to be allies during this month doing um, nothing. And then you and then you have a conversation like that on Lifeline. And it just feels like nothing's changing. Yeah. Um, so it was really hard, and yeah. very disappointing. And I have a lot of anger towards them for well, it I can understand it because the problem is and like what it comes down to is people will say well free speech and it's like okay yeah sure I mean first of all we don't actually have protected free speech in this country but aside mm-hmm. from that like yes obviously people need to be able to have conversations but there's a difference between having a conversation at the dinner table with your uncle who doesn't have a clue about LGBT rights or trans people or anything to do with kind of you know the way that people exist within gender um, and to have that on national radio when there could be thousands of people listening because what you yeah. do when you have that conversation on national radio when you invite the uncle who doesn't have a clue on the radio to espouse their misinformed and based on nothing opinions 
then you add validity to that argument and you give other people ideas and you create the nexus of something that could build into something really dangerous. And we know that people who are trans and non-binary are some of the most vulnerable people in any community anywhere. They also represent, Mm -hmm. as Ben Peachy said last week, about 1% of the community. So you're talking about a tiny, extremely vulnerable minority. And to put them on blast like that on the national broadcaster and not think that there might be dangerous consequences as a result of it is completely irresponsible. And to be honest, I'm so glad I don't work there right now because if I was working there and I had to try and continue working there, knowing that this kind of thing had happened and just pretending like it hadn't, which is kind of what you have to do, to be honest, when you work there would be excruciating for me. And I really feel for all of the right-minded, informed and LGBTQIA plus people who work there right now. Yeah, same. I really do. I I think it's a really, really difficult position to be in. And I just think it's really disappointing. They have a duty of care as the national broadcaster to facilitate conversation. So they need to make sure that the people they have in place for sitting those conversations are informed. Yeah. And they did not do that. But we have to acknowledge, of course, that Dublin Pride did end their media partnership with Orti as a result of these conversations. I stand by Dublin Pride. It was a really difficult decision for them, no doubt. But they've done the right thing. Yeah. Okay, next up, Britney's wedding. <laughs> oh my God. Now for something completely different. Britney got it married. still very, very camp. <laughs> Britney got married. Yeah. And it, the greatest, greatest looking party of all time, you know, very privately, I suppose, in, in her home. But that image where we had Madonna, who's in it? Madonna, Drew Barrymore, Britney. Selena Gomez? As, is it? Like, it's wild. To be a fly on the wall at that wedding. Like, I know. Oh my God, what I wouldn't give to have been there. And also um, everyone's just so like, happy for her. That's it. I mean, it's been it's been a tough couple of years for our Britney. Um, she's really been through the mills. But the there was a 10 minute ceremony, which I'm all for. Mm-hmm. A little quick, quick wedding and big party. Um, and in attendance, you had the likes of Madonna, Cena Gomez, Drew Barrymore, Paris Hilton, uh, Kathy Hilton, of course, uh, Ansel Elgort, uh, Will I Am, you know, Ansel Elgort. that's a bit of a weird one. Yeah, but the problematic Ansel Elgort. <laughs> okay, he was there. Yeah, having a party. Um, so they. I, one of the details I love about this is that they didn't have a first dance, but instead Selena Gomez, Madonna, and Britney danced to Toxic, and then Paris did a rendition of Stars Are Blind. So, <laughs> that's how I want to get married. Perfect. I would like to forego the first dance to instead <laughs> sing Toxic with Madonna. I love it. Um, and of course, not none of Britney's family were there. Um, yes, but I suppose that's for the best given the situation. And look, yeah, you sometimes you get to choose your family and that is fine, too. Um, so it wasn't without its drama, though, because yeah. uh, ex-husband Jason Alexander, who I f- just entirely forgot about. Yeah. Forgot this. Me happened. too until this now. Is, yeah. 55 hour marriage and um, was charged with stalking Britney as after he appeared totally unannounced at the wedding. Um, so he streamed a live video on Instagram at the wedding venue and claiming that that Britney had invited him, um, saying that he was there to crash the wedding. Obviously, he was met by security guards, arrested and taken to a local jail. And now they have issued a restraining order against him. Mad behavior. But, you know, it's what we expect from our fave celebs. There had to be something, La La didn't there, really? There had to be. Yeah. Um, now, moving on, speaking of language being important, um, Lizzo, I, I feel like it dealt with criticism really well this week. Yes, yes. I'm impressed with the speed at which this happened. So Lizzo released her new song, Girls, spelled G-R-R-L-S. Um, it's a bop, a banger. It's a, it's a great song. Really enjoyed it. I think I came to it after the lyric changed, so I didn't actually pick up on it on my, on my listen of it. Um, but in the opening verse, she had included a derogatory slur that was brought to attention by a member of... Um, by uh, a disabled activist uh, called Hannah Davini, who said that, you know, she has cerebral palsy and the literal classification as spastic diplegia, um 
meant that the the word that Lizzo had used, which I don't want to repeat, but the word that Lizzo had used in the opening of the song was considered offensive. Yeah. And a slur. But immediately. And I've heard changed. that because it's not a word that we use very often here in Ireland, but in America growing up, it would have been a word that would have been used a lot. And I remember learning, oh, OK, that's actually you know, really offensive to people who have this actual condition and, you know, we're just not going to do that anymore. Lizzo obviously missed that day. Yeah. So Lizzo's, I think when you look at it in the context of it, assume the definition was something different. Mm. You know, the definition was to mean like crazy or like, you know, angered or whatever. Freaking out. Yeah. That was freaking out essentially. Um, but although there would be people who would say that crazy is also anyway, look, we won't go down that road. (laughs) Yeah. Treading carefully. Honestly. Um, but what I did find very impressive was the speed at which she changed it and not just changed it, changed the song. Like you can't, you can't find the original version of the song. Yeah. Um, changed it super quickly on all the streaming platforms and apologized very profusely said that she was here to listen, learn, Etc. and takes full responsibility for the lyric and uh, an apology. And I think that's just how you do it. We all make mistakes. Yeah. We all learn. You know, we go, life is for learning. Yeah. Sometimes we use language that is inappropriate. And um, yeah. You just have to learn. On One sec, yeah. sorry. Hey, I have COVID, so if you just want to put them down there, I'll stay far away from you. Thanks. Sorry, I had to like stay a million miles away from the post on. Um, Yeah, I like I think this is the thing is that we like everyone's going to make mistakes and nobody is expecting anyone to be the perfect product. But if you are someone who is high profile and who has a million people listening to them or hundreds of thousands of people listening to them, you have to hold yourself to a higher standard. And that's just it, you mm-hmm. know? And, and what you should do is listen to people who know better than you. Listen to members yeah. of the community you're talking about. Acknowledge your mistake. Apologize and correct it where possible. And that's exactly what she did. Yeah. And it was great. Yeah. Um, and now and we I can all I've enjoy heard, the song. Exactly. Because it is a bop and a banger. And I've heard other, I've, I've heard other activists te- speak about it and they seem to be satisfied with yeah. the response and yeah. how Lizzo dealt with the situation. So I'm taking my lead from them. Yeah. And um, yeah, well done to Lizzo. Yeah, I was going to say that, that I thought that that was great as well, that so many, because um, I saw lots of kind of um, disability activists who I follow on social media saying that they were really just disappointed by it and then saying that they were really happy with the response. And I know there will yeah. always be people who will feel that she should have known better from the, from the get-go. Um, but, you know... Uh, you we can't don't. Look, we don't uh, yeah nobody does we grow up and we are a product of the culture that we grow up in yeah. and sometimes words change and we the, miss it the environment change and we do we miss yeah. it right so we're all trying our best we're all here to learn and nobody wants to cause offense as my friend john says we're all good people trying our best that's it <laughs> okay before uh, we one person oh. trying their best yeah okay <laughs> i was trying to segue you were trying to segue <laughs> A dual that, segue. That was, that yeah. was tenuous. Kim K, I think um, she is trying her best. Yes. So uh, she is constantly, this just is the, is the tale that's never ending. This is worse than the blue gold dress saga. Honestly. This dress saga, right? Uh, so photos have emerged of Kim wearing the, you know, she, she famously wore the Marilyn Monroe dress, right? Hmm. And now photos are emerging, apparently showing wear and tear and damage done to the seams. And people are complaining about it, right? People did not know about this dress before Kim K wore it. Like nobody was like, what state is Marilyn Monroe's dress in? Also, I think important to note, it's not like this dress was sitting pretty in like, you know, the lube. It was in Ripley's Can You Believe It Museum, which Ripley's, I know is excuse maybe, me, Cassie. Let's get let's give Ripley's their rightly title. Their rightly title, the correct title. Right, Ripley's, right. believe it or not. Or not. Sorry. <laughs> right. Which is in its own way a cultural institution, but it's not somewhere you go for fine art. No. You know? Um, so it was sitting there. I think it's it's obviously naturally gotten some wear and tear over time and it's uh it's 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 old. It's gonna be damaged. But everyone's hounding Kim for wearing the dress, saying all the money in the world could you not have produced a replica? Which ha- there is a point. But I would like to think now, and I don't know. I don't know if I necessarily believe this, but I would like to think 
that Kim chose to wear the exact dress because she's making a comment on celebrity culture. I think that's giving her too much credit. <laughs> well, apparently in my mind, the whole thing was that she she wore the dress only for the red carpet bit and then did change into a replica. But she lost all the weight, apparently. And she, you know, wore like those really high glass or perspex platforms mm-hmm. so that the dress didn't go on the ground like in great efforts. I think because there was such a big deal about the fact that there was such great effort made in to preserve the dress that then when this this week uh, some collector went and took photos of the dress in the museum and said that there was you know there was before and after photos of there being more damage than there was before but like I, I mean of course there was <laughs> like, yeah like but also everything looks like a nail when you have a hammer like if you're looking for if you're looking for damage you're going to find it no yeah. one was going and taking photos and expect you know inspecting this dress before yeah the the, the gala so um it's just a classic case of they want to be angry at kim for something or other and this is something they have on her now but leave her at it like let the dress go back into its glass box in ripley's can you believe it or believe it or not what is it called <laughs> can you believe it, it or not believe it or not if and it was irish it would be ripley's can you believe it can you believe <laughs> Um, so yeah leave her just leave her alone yeah it's just a dress I know it's a dress with a significant culture with loads of cultural significance but that's just a dress yeah that we didn't know about two months ago that's the bit that I know that like you know you're so furious about this dress you didn't even know existed like if you're if you did know and you're like a Marilyn Monroe obsessive and you collect or like you would love to collect then you're as far as I'm concerned that's fair enough I can understand why you'd be angry but so many people randomly on the internet who just like didn't even know and don't particularly care if they're honest with themselves yeah. or irate and if it, was, if it was part of a massive you know uh, fashion artistic display somewhere that was being preserved and was part of a, a larger collection I would be like oh maybe she shouldn't have taken it but it's probably next to a piece of toast with Jesus's face in it like it's not <laughs> And on that note, Cassie Delaney of Tall Tales, thank you so, so much for joining me this week. Now, it is just about time for me to finish up. But before I go, I don't have a lot of recommendations because I've just been in COVID hell with the kids. Um, And I mean, I would recommend Primavera, definitely, as a festival. I had a lot of fun, um, a lot, a lot of fun. The great thing about going to a festival like Primavera is that it happens in Barcelona. Barcelona is one of my favorite cities to visit. It is so beautiful. There's a beach. There's beautiful architecture. The food is incredible. And you get to stay in like apartments or houses or whatever, uh, hotels. So you go to the festival in the evening and then you've got all day to just be in Barcelona. Now, granted, we were sleeping until like 12, 1, 2 o'clock. But you know what I mean? You get a bit of the city and you get all the music. Um, And yeah, we definitely had a superb time. Um, But one recommendation I will make specifically from Barcelona is Come Restaurant, uh, C-O-M-E. It is a fine dining Mexican restaurant in Barcelona and it is stunning. Like it is one of the best eating experiences, if not the best I've ever had in my entire life. So it's um, the restaurant of chef Paco Mendez. Paco Mendez is, if you're into chefs and food, you'll know about him because he worked with the Adria brothers for years who were responsible for some of the best restaurants in the world in Spain, who that happened to be in Spain, restaurants like El Bulli, Arzac and San Sebastian. Um, although that's actually not an, an Adria brothers restaurant, but basically Paco Mendez is the shit and um, he is uh, one of the kings of Mexican gastronomy. So anyway, he has this new restaurant in Barcelona called Come Restaurant, Come C-O-M-E and um, it is going to be Michelin starred soon. Like I have absolutely no doubt about that. But at the moment, you can actually get a booking really easily. Like we went and we're blown away by it and our friend got a booking for the following week. It's not cheap, but it's not insane if you live in the world of fine dining, fine dining, excuse me. If that's something that you like to do from time to time, you'll know that the prices can be really wild. But I actually felt like the, this was quite reasonable for for what we had. Um, we got the their festival um, which is like a tasting menu and the f- I, oh, honestly the food like my mouth is literally watering talking about it the food was spectacular spectacular I started crying during one of the courses now I was hungover but like it was just 
perfect. The flavors, like I, I could go on about it forever, but I know not everybody's into food, so I won't go on too long. But the other aspects of it that were that were really super were first of all the margaritas. I mean, mind blowing. There's one called the hot and cold, where it's a frozen margarita, but then they kind of um, put this warm foam on the top. <sighs> so good like I feel at the moment like I will never drink again but I would drink one of those and but the other thing was the service was just mind-blowing we walked into the restaurant and we were introduced to every member of staff and that sounds like it might be a bit intense but it was actually just lovely like the whole (laughs) all of the kitchen were just standing there like hey welcome like it was super friendly it didn't feel over the top it just felt lovely and our um the the I, I mean I don't know are we still using the word waitress but the the woman who was bringing us our food or managing our table for most of the meal was we were all just absolutely in love with her she was from Mexico herself so she was able to talk about the food with real like love it was just it was it was spectacular so if you have a weekend or a weekday or whatever they're open Wednesday to Sunday in Barcelona I fully paid for the meal I would pay for it again um I can't recommend it enough. So there you go. One deeply impassioned recommendation this week. I'm going to sleep literally when the kids are going to sleep because whatever brand of COVID I have is mainly just an exhaustion one. Um, There's other symptoms, but the main thing is my bones just feel like they're made of lead and I feel like I could sleep for seven days. So there's not a lot of time for consuming anything else. But anyway, look, we are where we are. Next week, I won't have COVID and I'll be absolutely delighted to be chatting to you. And in the meantime, I hope you have a truly, truly lovely one. If you are also suffering with this dreaded virus, which just absolutely will not go away, or indeed any other aspect of life's challenges, I'm sending you strength and solidarity this week. And I will talk to you next Friday. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. Hi, I'm Megan Rinks. And I'm Melissa D. Montz. And like every other person with access to a microphone, we started a podcast. On Mondays, we release Don't Blame Me, which is an advice podcast where listeners call in and we share our thoughts on situations such as what to do if you're going to your boyfriend's family function and you haven't told him that you previously slept with both his twin brothers. Then on Thursdays, we release our podcast, But Am I Wrong?, where we ethically gossip about pop culture, politics, our lives, and your lives. Listeners write in and we tell them if they're wrong or right in a situation. Are you the hero or the villain? On Tuesdays and Fridays, we throw in a little something extra as well. A little something something. We strive to create a community grounded in activism, mental health, and inclusivity. Think of us as like your blunt, honest friends who give you advice that you need to hear, not what you want to hear. But we're also always rooting for your success. What we lack in credentials, we make up for in... Opinions. We do that in every episode, too. (laughs) We're professional unprofessionals, so if you're looking for a new slate of podcasts to add to your routine, we're here for you. ACAST recommends. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com.